Do you like reading about embalming? Well, I have good news for you. Frigid Fluid now has a blog written by myself, Ben, Dr. Damon De La Cruz, and Amanda King, where we find ways to help you take small steps towards a better embalming future. Simply visit frigidfluid.com and find the Frigid Blog tab at the top of the page. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Funeral Cast. On this episode, I have Nora Cummings. Nora, why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself? Hello, uh, I am Nora Cummings. I was a student of Ben's. He pretty much taught me every class with exception of like three classes when I was a student, maybe. Um, I graduated from Warsham in 2018. Let me piss off everybody immediately and say that I'm a fur mom uh, and I'm a plant mom and I know that rubs some people the wrong way but that's me um, and yeah uh, I am currently teaching some embalming labs and things like that so that's my life okay yeah so licensed funeral director embalmer and licensed gardener and pet owner right yes it's more of a hospice community for my plants. They come here. I carry them on to death. <laughs> yes, this is that is definitely a characteristic of you that um, I took into consideration when we were looking at today's topics. Right? <laughs> um, I will also add she did not um, share that she has a life in circus performance before that, too. So, yes, one and of- I just started working at the tattoo shop, as you can see. Yeah, the podcast <laughs> listeners can definitely see all of your tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> At least some uh, of them. <laughs> all right. So the first topic I sent you, um, and I don't know if you had seen this before I sent it to you, because it actually has mm-hmm. been something that's uh, early uh, 2023, is this um, documentary that uh, was on the BBC Channel 4 or what the news came from BBC Channel 4 and it's called My Dead Body. All right. Uh-huh. And so, so for those people not familiar with this, this um, charts the life and death of a woman named Tony Cruz. Um, what happened to this poor woman um, is she had cancer of the lacrimal gland. And so for those of who don't those of you who don't know what a lacrimal gland is, that is your tear duct. And apparently this type of cancer is extremely rare. And they use the phrase one in a million in a lot of the literature that I read about this. And then the video, mm-hmm. which I'll link to in the show notes. So what she did was she gave us the great gift of donating her body for medical medical study. Um, and according to the um, anatomy lab she donated to, they've been able to already use her um, cadaver at, to um, train uh, like a thousand doctors. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really meaningful. But what's kind of interesting about this particular documentary is that she gave consent for the publication of her dissection. Um, and this apparently was the first one um, in England for almost 200 years. And then something else happened was they uh, used a voice replication technology of Ms. Cruz to narrate social media posts, diaries, and other letters that she had written on the topic. So, Nora, first of all, had you heard of this before I sent it to you? 
I had not. Um, and I was, it was interesting to see that she was only 30 when right. all this happened. So she yeah. was very young. Um, and she gave kind of a gift and they say this in the article, a gift that kept keeps on giving, like it will forever keep on giving. And I think though, I actually got, I'm not an emotional person, but I kind of got really emotional when I read that they will be using her own voice for her to do the voiceover for the documentary. I can't even imagine what that's like for her family. Uh, but also I know that, um, Sometimes we get, we are watching these shows and learning these things and we learn them as concepts, but we forget that there's people behind that. Uh, and I think that is also going to make it connect on a different level that uh, we can actually hear this person, this human who gifted uh, a very, her very tragic life to make a huge difference. And uh, as you, we saw, she's a mom. So like that adds another layer of, just um sadness a little bit but uh sure. yeah it was uh, it's i think it's gonna connect differently now that her voice will be voicing over the whole procedure yeah so i so i saw a couple of headlines that did lead me to believe that she was going to be narrating the actual autopsy part of it but mm -hmm. then i read some more kind of like less shock value about it and i think that it's just narrating the documentary but not any part of her autopsy if i understood it correctly yeah and then it says like they'll be posting like her social media posts and things like that where they make it real yeah so you already kind of gave a little bit of your opinion on this topic where you were talking about how um uh she was going to be narrating it so like did you like find this to be like creepy or unusual at all i mean no yeah not at all we're all we're all dead men walking right every single one of us that's true i mean i guess people are going to listen back to this podcast maybe by accident one day archaeologists from the future are going to be <laughs> like this this funeral cast that are going to be here <laughs> yeah sleep, right so that makes sense too um you know and i wanted to kind of just use this as a platform of the value of donating your body to science right mm -hmm. have you ever considered doing anything like that nora i know that um you know we've worked with some cadavers and stuff mortuary school and and other things like that um yeah absolutely and depending on how long or how short i live who knows what the world's gonna look like at that point um but I've definitely thought about it. I mean, uh, when I before I even went to school, the first thing I kind of get got introduced to the topic was Mary Roach's Stiff. I feel like ninety percent of the world has read Stiff, so that is a, a a resource that I I got exposed to donation for the first time. But um, I think donation is great, especially um, if there's I mean, there's always value in donating. Uh, but some people, the value is medical. Some people, the value is research-based. So no matter where your body, or some people, it's life. Some people donate their bodies and they create life out of them. Um, tissue, bone, organs, it's all different, but it all gives value. So um, I, I think that donation to science is a great thing to do. Um, I mean, I don't need this anymore. Except I've told my family they can use my skin, my tattoos. They can put wall art of it on the walls. Save my ink forever. It's, yep. it's possible to be done. 
little plug for Kyle's business there. All right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I feel the same way as you. And I think one of the things that um, people don't understand is that um, there's different versions of donating yourself Mm -hmm. to science. You know, sometimes you can get the remains back. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't. Typically what happens if it's to a medical school or something like that, the, the people are dissected and the doctors actually do a funeral service for their cadavers at the end of the time. And so it just depends. Sometimes you can donate directly to the school that you want it to go to other times, you know, you might not be so lucky, but um, it's, it's up to your own choices, you know? And I remember at the funeral home, um, we had a set of cremated remains as we've discussed on other episodes of this particular podcast um, that funeral homes hold on to cremated remains for a long time. But this mm-hmm. one was actually one with a purpose because um, a man had donated himself to science and gone through the process. And then we had received the cremated remains. Well, why we still have them is the wife was going to do the same thing and she was still alive. Mm-hmm. So um, the reason, and when they were done, when her cremated remains came back from the donation period, they were going to go into an urn together was the plan. So Mangled, intermingled, yeah. Right. So it was really just kind of an open-ended, um, well, you know, we'll see you when we see a type situation, but we actually yeah. knew what we were doing with those. Yep remains as opposed to the ones that can be abandoned yeah it's very good i've been to a couple of anatomical labs Mm -hmm. i went to a really good one in nomure belgium um where they were uh conducting a dissection and things like that and absolutely there's a lot of value in it but the other thing that's important you know recently there was something that happened at harvard is that um that we behave ethically with the uh donated remains of people because um you, you only have one to give. Um, and uh, it's really special when you do that. So for those of you out there listening to um, just remember that when you're working with cadavers or cadaver uh, parts that they are, they do belong to someone. So yep. um, <clears throat> we have to remember that. Yeah. And I like this idea too, of this woman um, doing her social media posts and um, you know, I was trying to find a way to watch it, the documentary, but I, I, I couldn't find a way to watch it here in America. So hopefully somebody will post it to YouTube because I wanted to watch at least a little bit of it so I could get a feel of it. But um, if it becomes available, I mean, this seems like something that might show up on Netflix or Amazon or something in the future, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely it's it's so easy. It's almost like a defense mechanism when you're working with even surgeons when you're working on something uh, like that. It's a, almost a defense mechanism to focus and forget that you're working with another human, whether they're deceased or alive. Um, but I think that we need to move away from that. Um, and Actually, one of my students was at lab yesterday for the last time and she got teary eyed and it was so good to see uh, somebody who like takes the time and says goodbye to the decedent. And it's so rare. We forget you you get, you know, with like everything you get busy in your life and you forget that little detail sometimes. And that's not good. Yeah, death blindness, especially, you know, for those of us who are instructors or whatever, where we're not regularly meeting with the families and we don't know the story behind the people that we're embalming um, is a very real thing. So that's that's something that we have to remember. And then, of course, the students kind of do the same thing because you really don't Mm -hmm. know anything about that person. You know, you always try to like 
look at their tattoos or look at their items that came with them and stuff and and yep. just think about oh okay this might have been what their life was like or yep. that kind of thing so and there's so many um it's just so interesting because their bodies tell the most honest story out there um there your body's not gonna lie it's gonna show its scars it's gonna show if you're an anxious person it's gonna show your chewed on nails um just really taking the time it there's so much truth that is shown on your body and i think that's beautiful yeah that's true we wear it out just like we wear anything else out right mm -hmm. yeah like um, smile marks you know like oh my gosh they must have smiled a lot look at those smile marks like you just and some people look grumpy no matter what you do after you embalm them so you're like oh this person did not smile <laughs> that's, for, that's for sure yeah I remember we had a funeral for a woman when I worked at the funeral home that like she like after she was embalmed was that same case she looked like she was kind of grumpy but yeah. like you know her family photos they all showed her smiling and happy so it was just like you know I don't know. You can't blame somebody for looking grumpy when they're dead, you know? <laughs> Ma'am, uh, why are you so mad? Yeah, right. <laughs> you have a very nice casket. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it looks comfy in there. Got yeah. your on forever. I wish I was laying in that out here in the heat. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think your backyard there looks would look nice with a, a, a wood casket in there and like go along with your desk. I do have a casket and a coffin in my garage. Not gonna lie. You do? Where'd you get them from? I do. So the first one I got from a friend who used to, uh, he's passed away. He passed away during COVID. Um, he did horror, like those uh, scary houses, horror oh, yeah, houses, yeah, yeah. whatever they're called. Um, yeah, haunted houses. That's the word. Um, so I have one of those that I inherited after he passed away. And the other one, I'm not gonna name any names, but uh funeral home I worked for inherited or bought a different funeral home. And when we were clearing out, we found this really old coffin, like like a screw on lid and everything. Um cool. and yeah, so I was like, I'll take this home. So we're probably gonna turn it into like a play cat playhouse or like we're gonna or like a cooler or something i don't know we're gonna it, it's obviously never been used right um right so there's it's not like we're disrespecting somebody's uh life but we're gonna see some some way to incorporate it yeah i mean in a lot of ways caskets and coffins are just furniture anyway right i mean that's why yeah are some of our origin the funeral directing side the origin of that is yep cabinet makers right because what's a, a coffin exactly. but a big cabinet you know makes total sense exactly. um, okay so um let's take a quick break on that note uh before we start our new topic in 1891 albert richardson invented the butter churn changing the game in the food industry forever Three years later, he invented something game-changing for the funeral industry, the casket lowering device. Twenty years later, Frigid received their first patent for a lowering device and has been hand-making them in North Lake, Illinois for over a hundred years. Seriously, people, they have an anvil right next to their modern fabrication equipment. Their quality lowering devices can be found all over the world, and they are backed by their maintenance and support staff. The next time you're at a graveside service for someone special, either as the funeral director or attendee, look for those cursive letters that spell F-R-I-G-I-D. 
All right, we are back from the break. I hope you enjoyed that ad from our sponsor. All right, so the second topic that I had chosen for you, Nora, was based on my knowledge of you being an animal lover. And I actually imagine you probably saw this um, article before I sent it to you. But when I was gathering you up to join me, I thought, you know what, this is the perfect one for Nora. So what we are going to talk about is Blossom the Goose. All right, Blossom the Goose lost the her goose. mate. <laughs> she <laughs> lost her mate, Bud, where they live together at Riverside Cemetery in Marshalltown, Iowa. All right, and so the caretaker, a woman named Dory, she's the uh, caretaker, um, noticed a change in her behavior. Um, and so as a result, she placed a personal ad for the goose. Um, and the personal ad read uh, that um, Blossom was a lovely widowed goose that was youthful, adventurous, and lively, and looking for a life partner for companionship and occasional shenanigans. So before I go on here, tell me one goose shenanigan you can think of. Well, I have a dog named Gus who I call Goose, so I can tell you a lot of shenanigans. <laughs> what about the animal Because, <laughs> like, to me, a goose shenanigan would be like pecking people or, or you know, when they walk by. I just they don't really peck. Whatever. You they do. They do. Uh, we had gooses growing up, and uh, my great-grandparents had a farm, and they were goofy. They were never mean, uh, but they do peck. Um they do the wing thing. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. So that yeah. that would be some goose shenanigans. Goose shen and little literal shenanigans is goose shenanigans, if you know what I'm saying. They right. do literal shenanigans a lot. <laughs> right. Um <laughs> but yeah, uh I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think. Um yeah, I don't know either. You know, I I usually I'm aware of the goose. I, I suppose pooping on things is a goose shenanigan. Yeah. That would probably be the number one. Um thing so um also i would like to put in, my blur <laughs> i would like to put in perspective um for people listening about marshalltown all right because that kind of influences the way you think about a, a personal ad um for a human and um of course um a goose okay so uh marshalltown iowa is uh um directly west of Cedar Rapids for all you Iowans out there and northeast of Des Moines. And for your reference, Nora, it's about five hours away from Chicago where we are, right? Yep. Um, it has a population of approximately 28,000 people. So, right, you put a personal ad as a person, like you might have some slim pickings there, right? So they're putting it out there for a goose. Um, also, I found kind of a fun fact about this town is the birthplace of Cap Anson, which may not mean much to you, Nora, because I don't think you're a big baseball fan. But he was a Cubs fan, a Cubs player from 1876 to 1897. And 1876 was the first year that the Cubs were in existence. So he was a charter member of the Chicago Cubs. And he's buried there in Chicago. He's a um he is a uh, hall of famer as well so uh, maybe i'll have to take a trip out and see cap Anse's uh grave so anyways back to the goose um so goose shenanigans right so, <laughs> shenanigans time because guess what they got an answer on the um personal ad so deb and randy hoyt also of marshalltown 
were owners of a widower goose named Frankie. Now, okay, hold on a second here. So you got the goose personal ad. Uh-huh. Who is reading the goose personal ads? A goose? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Deb and Randy Hoyt. Maybe, you know, maybe it's the same. Like, you know what? We got this goose. In fact, it's funny because it's 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 lost its mate. And yeah, um, when you were on the farm and there was, you know, you had the geese around. Was this like something that you recognized? Did the pairing of the geese like affected their behavior once one was gone? I feel like it would have if it was a more of a lifestyle and a lot of animals didn't make it throughout the season. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, they were more so food, but I, I can absolutely see um if they weren't right like i can totally see that but no our our geese weren't there for a long time they were there for a good time (laughs) okay (laughs) well was this on a farm in bulgaria where you came yes okay so a little background real quick i was born in germany then we moved to bulgaria where my we lived in the city but my great-grandparents had a big old farm with cows and horses and sheep and goats and geese and and roosters who were the worst the roosters were the absolute worst uh no Anna. oh and turkeys turkeys were also the worst they, they were like as tall as me and they chased me um hate turkeys i will eat a turkey any day out of spite um <laughs> but <laughs> but the geese were so sweet man and they were so cute when they were just little babies but i didn't see that sort of bonding behavior with them but i do see it with my actual pets um when somebody loses a mate like my rabbits i've definitely seen that with my rabbits interesting yeah you don't necessarily think of those small-brained animals as very social with each other but hey totally so so anyways obviously this was a concern of the hoyts as well so they set up a blind date with Uh um with blossom and kaboom they are in love i guess they started together they are uh, a couple again so i think frankie and blossom now live on the lake in the um cemetery so it has a happy ending um for now because eventually one of them is going to die again and the other one's going to be left alone so maybe they'll start to troll the personal ads for the <laughs> the their third Mate. Mate. Hey, it could be a notebook ending. They can die holding hands in a hospice bed. <laughs> so when I was looking up Riverside Cemetery in Marshalltown, did you do any background research on this particular cemetery? I watched the video. Um, I didn't research the cemetery, but I do think it's worth noting just how adorable the lady who runs it is. Um, oh, yeah. She really was like, yes, yeah, so I will link to the video in the show notes. But yes, this woman, this woman Dory is. Yeah. Um, just like what I what I aim to be like as I age, like just the sweetest mole you know it, she just seems wonderful I, well i liked how in the video what did they show her doing they show her picking up a wreath that got knocked over on someone's headstone and they they fixed it well and you know that that's the goose that knocked it over right that's I shenanigans assume. yeah there you go there's a big <laughs> shenanigans of just walking <laughs> like like blossoms just running around walking around all like depressed and stuff and knocking over this stuff um so i i did some research on this cemetery because i was just interested to know if there was any famous people buried there or whatever 
Well, they have a legend there. There is what they call a death chair in the cemetery. So it creates a lot of local folklore because um, now this this is sourced from uh, 983 The Vibe, which I understand is a radio station in Des Moines. I couldn't get the name of the guy that was talking in the video. He didn't mention it. I guess maybe he's a personality on the radio or whatever, but supposedly if you sit in this chair something bad will happen to you right so of course immediately my thought is did bud the goose poop on this sit on the chair yeah, oh my god on the chair and now he was- disrespected the chair <laughs> he disrespected <laughs> the best chair or devil's chair so um the guy on this video which i will also link to it you can watch it he relates this story that decades ago Mm -hmm. it was a girl scout troop that went to riverside cemetery on a field trip they found Mm -hmm. the death chair um and the uh one of them sat in it and then decades later that's what he said decades later there was a reunion of this girl scout troop and the only person that didn't come was the one who sat in the chair Right. But like, keep in mind, these are probably like old ladies, <laughs> right? Like just statistically speaking, you're going to lose one of them <laughs> at some point. Right. So like I was kind of too funny. That's chairs. I think here's what I think. I think we should do a live live podcast eventually and we should go to that place and then flip a coin and see which one of us sits in it. <laughs> get all the way out to Iowa and check out this. Yep. Here. just flip a coin one of us sits in it and dies you don't have you don't have to flip a coin i'll do it because <laughs> um so so people out there may be listening maybe you too nora like what is this chair doing in the cemetery i'm sure you've kind of already surmised that this was an alternative to a headstone and uh-huh. uh, you know now we have more like modern benches and things like that that you can get but nobody's ever scared to sit on those i guess maybe because it's meant for more than one person i have no idea i've never heard of anybody doing that but these desk chairs can be found at family plots frequently um because you know if you go to visit a bunch of relatives or whatever yep and there's mm-hmm. several um that have these legends um that are related to it so there's one in particular um that caught my eye okay um i just did not do any in-depth research on this i um looked at a wikipedia article and i watched a youtube video about this particular one in riverside so i will actually solid source um, i will link to it in the show notes (laughs) it's called the death chair movie it's a youtube video it's about three minutes long right But this one, okay, so the devil's chair, right? Death chair, uh-huh. chairs. This one is in Casadaga, Florida. And it's a graveside bench in the cemetery that borders Casadaga and Lake Helen. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. But according to one local legend, an unopened can of beer left on the chair will be empty by morning. In some accounts, the chair is open. In others, the beer is gone through the unopened top. So... Can you get any more Florida <laughs> than a legend where if you put an empty can of beer on oh my God. and then it gets drank, right? Nora, give Is us- the cemetery security's like, yes. Yes, give us some analysis on this, right? Exactly. That's what I'm thinking, right? Is the cemetery <laughs> caretaker, it's like, you know what? 
this is a great <laughs> way to get free beer. So yeah. Sponsor this urban legend about if you get it, if you leave it in the chair, that it will get drank, right? I think that's brilliant networking. Or not what networking, but uh promotion. It's like brilliant um promotion marketing. That's the word I'm looking for. That's brilliant marketing. There you go. Come on over and have a have a beer with the dead. Just kidding. It's just me, Frank. Yeah. Well, you have to <laughs> leave it so you know the devil can come and drink it. Right. So just do it. You know, if you're feeling generous to placate the devil, maybe a 12 pack, right? I hear that the devil drinks bush lights, you know, like uh, you yeah. can like, go down a, a pathway. Devil loves Miller. Let me tell you. Yeah. There you go. Right. <laughs> the, the devil's yeah. beer, they call it the devil's brew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because that's such a common, like uh, if you think back on superstition, especially the old countries, like the Bul Bulgarians, there's so many superstitions about things like that. Uh, so I can totally see this being, something that um people like there's so many superstitions about funerals or sorry uh, about cemeteries right oh for sure there happens to be a devil's chair with a legend um near us up here in northern illinois and then there's another one in decatur illinois um several of these ones that are on the list there's like about a, a dozen or so are actually in the midwest and you know obviously um eastern europe is a hotbed for immigrant or sorry the midwest is a hotbed for immigrants from eastern europe yes. right you know germans are real popular in in iowa settled in iowa and, and mm -hmm. things like that so um uh which i after having visited germany i actually kind of understood it because like the landscape in places is is very similar <laughs> to it is. into it so unless it, you go to south germany then it's so it's no surprise those superstitions and then, you know the other thing is like people just love to scare the crap out of each other so let's oh yeah let's come up with this and then do it but bloody mary bloody mary uh and then there's uh what is it resurrection cemetery around here where resurrection Illinois. mary yeah yeah and then i actually live down the street from where al capone is buried um so i'm very close to this one which um i don't know can i say the location yeah, you can say it. Cool. It's Queen of Heaven. Uh, actually, it's Mount Carmel. It's like the one that's uh, on the east side. There's a west side and an east side of the cemetery. And Al Capone's grave is just like this tiny little headstone and a big bush covering it. But yeah, he's down the street. It, yeah, interesting. Well, nearby me, Harold Ramis is buried. That's cool. Yeah. See? Right. A lot better person than Al Capone, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. And well, and you know, the thing is, is that um, we have the frigid uh, 5K coming up. And if uh, someone is going to participate in it, such as I am, I don't know if you are going to, Nora, you will get a free T-shirt if you do. Well, not free because you have to pay for it. But, <laughs> um, you know, cemetery is a really interesting place to do it. Last year, I did it um, in Bohemian uh, National Cemetery. Oh, my God. Got it. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Have you done uh in in state service at Bohemian? No, I had I have never done a funeral there. Oh, let me tell you, they have like um, you don't walk in the casket into the chapel there. You bring it to the basement and they elevate it like a Beyonce concert. Oh, cool! Just like, <laughs> yeah, it's very neat. And then like it disappears back down again, and the the crematory is actually downstairs in the basement. Um, so yeah, it is so cool it is a huge building and yeah it's 
cool cemetery to visit with a lot of history for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You have, well, I went there specifically because the Eastland Memorial is there from the Eastland. Yes. Disaster. Mm -hmm. um, but you have like Cermak, who was a prior um, uh, mayor of Chicago for people who don't know. And then also there is two sculptures there that were made by the same man who did the lions that are out front of the art Institute. Oh, cool. um, you've, you've probably seen them. They're like death symbolism type sculptures and they're out front yeah. of two different people's mausoleums. So they're really, it's really, really neat um, to do that. So there's actually a, a couple of um, landmarks uh, within that cemetery that are kind of classic Chicago in that sense, you know, I there's, love it. There's a, um, there's a Chicago Cubs um, columbarium there where it's like a Wrigley Field theme and they have like a wall with ivy on it. And there's actually like chairs from Wrigley Field in it and stuff too. So is that where you're going? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I, maybe I, I, I really hadn't thought about it in that way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I, think it's, I think in general, it's just a really neat cemetery. But, you know, there's a bunch mm -hmm. of those around Chicago. So and I have not been good about visiting any of them. So I'm going to have to make an effort to do that. I always say that. But, you know, there's the place where the animals that were in the circus fire are buried. Yeah. And, and what Elmhurst? What, that was Elmhurst, right? Yeah, I'm not sure I would have. Uh, to, but I just know it's around and Graceland yes. Cemetery near Wrigley Field is like really has a yeah. bunch of um significant figures in chicago history buried in it and okay what's your favorite cemetery we all have one my favorite one like locally uh or the favorite your favorite cemetery you've ever been to so um uh th there was one in uh germany um I think it, the the town is called Kaiserslautern. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. But they called it K Town, right? Because mm -hmm. it had a really long name. Um, but it was right next to a church. And I, what I really appreciated about it was that it had a, it was very like it had like a new section. It had an old section, and then uh -huh. it had the aesthetic of a green cemetery section. So uh, myself and Amanda, who also works for, for, for Frigid, and then our friend Alan, who was the one that invited us um, for the Belgian Institute of the Nanopraxy, um, walked around the cemetery. We were actually late to an appointment that we were supposed to have because we walked around the cemetery for like three hours, just like looking at all the stuff. And there was... There was definitely a famous person that was buried there, but none of it didn't connect with any of us because mm -hmm. the guy was like, he won the World Cup as a player. And then he like won the World Cup as a coach too for Germany. So um, obviously, like soccer? Well, yeah, right, exactly for yeah soccer. And like he even had like a, a like a statue of himself like on it but and we we're like who is this and of course none of us could really read german so we you had to use our google translate to kind of figure out what it was but it was pretty obvious that he had played for the german world cup team and and so that was pretty neat but the whole aesthetic of it was was really beautiful one of the things yeah. they do in europe that i really wish that they would consider doing here is they a lot of their times they're vaults are above the ground but mm -hmm. they're open and people put plants in them mm -hmm. um so i i thought that was cool there was some brand new ones there where they like it literally said these are tomato plants like they were yep. like cultivating tomato plants and i'm like totally it's like they spent a lot of money on the vaults and all this other stuff but then they just let nature take them over yep. 
you know, yep. so, so it's really neat. So for those people who haven't been to Europe and seen that, the aesthetic is very similar to that, that you see in New Orleans. Yes, exactly. You know? mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, um, in, I remember my, my great grandma's, uh, grave. So how everything's overgrown out there, at least in Bulgaria, which kind of gives it the kind of vibe you crave out of a cemetery. I don't like that. The cemeteries here look like golf courses. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they're kind of very natural out there and very spooky, especially like the rustling of the leaves. I can see why there's so many myths. Uh, but like the grave has its own little property, little property line, and you can grow whatever you want to, flowers, things like that. Um. So I do think that that's such a great idea, you know, like uh, obviously you are a nutritious source for <laughs> tomatoes or fennel or whatever um yeah so that's cool yeah yeah I thought it was really I, I it's like you could really feel the history in the cemetery when, mm -hmm. when they do that um and then on top of that um yeah I just I just really like the aesthetic and and the idea it really kind of combined you know because here we're always like oh you have these like perfect cemeteries Right. Or we have green cemeteries, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea is that you keep the perfect cemeteries perfect and you keep the green ones green, but like, why not both? You know, I mean, yeah. cemeteries like that, but that seems to be one of the kind of the major debates about cemetery aesthetics yeah. I've observed um, over the time. Yeah. I'm no cemetery. I think you should. I just, I just like. I have the answer. I think you should open one like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go get the permits. We'll figure it out. Let's we'll do it. it. Yep, tasty Europe. I have, yeah, I have a really big backyard. We can just own it. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're ready to go. And it's already uh pretty. I refuse to cut too much of the shrub down because we have so many wildlings. But like it, it can work as a cemetery. It just keeps going, it keeps going and going and going. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of room. Yeah, All at right, least so, sixty people. So on that note. Last part of the show, did you bring the stump the chump question for me? Stump the chump. Okay. So initially, I really wanted it to be a, um, to stump you with the, okay. So for anybody who hasn't been Ben's student, he writes quizzes in a way that really tests not just your knowledge, but critical thinking skills um and so i tried to come up with something that was going to be all of the above without the option as all of the above <laughs> but my... okay all right i like this <laughs> but i changed my mind i wasn't gonna be so mean about it but uh i will <laughs> say that that crossed my mind it did um okay so my question is do you know who and how much was the most expensive funeral in the united states oh hmm let me think about this for a minute um so the person was american right You're was saying, american okay um and it's good is it in today's dollars their dollars or was just so lavish that uh so i'm gonna put it out there is michael jackson close just kidding that close at all <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay well hold on a second let me let me make a, like another guess I'm trying to think so maybe like 
the like a Rockefeller or someone like that? Like, uh, no. Okay, well, lay it on me then. This is a great question. Let's see. Do you want to? Do you want to know their career? Yeah, give me. A wanna... hint. Let's see if I can cool. if I could figure it out. Yeah, give me a hint. He was a president of the United States. Oh, he was a president of the United States. Mm -hmm. mm. It was. Um, I know that your first guess is probably going to be Lincoln. Um, no, I'm, no, no, actually, no. Um, now that you gave me that hint, it's like it's kind of rolling in my mind. It was like Ulysses S. Grant. Getting closer. Think so 1900s, late 1900s. Late 1900s. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So like Ronald Reagan, <laughs> yes, you got uh, it. Was the most yeah. expensive funeral of all time. You know what? Did we learn that when we saw the the guy at the IFDA convention last year? I think did we, we did. That? Okay, yeah. that's why oh my god, that was such a good presentation. Right. Yes. Yeah, so his funeral cost four hundred million dollars. What the? That's taxpayer dollars, people. By the way, four hundred. And he, uh, he led an um, and he led an arm arms race against the Soviet. That he died in two thousand four. Okay, cool. But um, the most expensive funeral in history period is actually Alexander the Great at six hundred million dollars. Six hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. Followed well, by King Young the <laughs> second. <laughs> <laughs> he knew he had to do out he outdo King Yao the first, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that you know you think about expense. I mean the Taj Mahal is a mausoleum. You know uh -huh. the pyramids are mausoleums. So like that Alexander Great's the Great's funeral must have been quite a shindig if that is going to outdo. Let's see. Uh, over the Empire Sita, uh, most expensive funeral till date. He passed away in 323 BC and was placed in a gold casket and transported in a gold carriage pulled by 60 horses so yeah beat that <laughs> not really right <laughs> yeah for sure All were right. you stumped i you know what i was stumped but your hints <laughs> led me in the right direction that's for sure and then that was fun yeah yeah cause, yeah really and i feel like you know and that was something that we had seen together last year at a continuing education event right yeah now, now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, I think that we might have learned that. Um, totally. I believe the presenter's name is Bob Bodiger. He's worked for SCI. That's his name, I think. Um, I think that was the one, yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess that's all we have for the funeral cast today. Nora, thank you so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Um, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Any last thoughts? Anything you want to plug before you? Um, before we go? Uh, watch out for your local geese. On that note, <laughs> we're going to end the show. <laughs> Would you like to share your thoughts on any of the topics we discussed today? We'd love to hear them. Email your thoughts to bschmidt, that's B-S-C-H-M-I-D-T, at frigidfluid.com, and I'll read them on the show.